Hello, everyone, and welcome to the weekly daily podcast. My name is Chris, aka Necronominoms. Joining us, as always, is our co-host Beck. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing better. Doing, doing better, better now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, we we were gone for a week, so we, we yeah, just, yeah. That was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why was that? Uh, well, it was a couple of compounding things. I was, uh, last week was Gen Con and we were getting ready for that, you know, big trip. We want to make sure everything's ready to go. But then also my dog got sick. Um, I won't get into detail, but, uh, it required him to go to the bathroom more than a dog normally would. Uh, and among other things that affects my sleep because when I go to sleep at like two o'clock in the morning, I'm getting woken up every two hours by my dog. So just right by the time it hit Tuesday, we had fully planned on doing the podcast uh, up until uh, either Monday night or Tuesday during the day. I can't remember when I messaged you, but I was like, hey, can we just like postpone for this week? Because I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. See, see, this is the benefit of having a cat. If a cat had the same problem, they just go to the litter box. Yeah, that'd be great. I, yep. <laughs> I, I envy you in that regard. Just that one. That that's it. Dogs are pretty much better in every other way, clearly. Yeah. And then uh after that I had Gen Con. We'll uh talk about Gen Con later, but um it was uh it was fun and uh I'll get into some of the games and stuff we played later. Uh it's rough though, like we've been gone for two weeks and there is so much news that happened. I had to struggle to pick a few stories that would actually work out for us here. Because there's just so much going on. Literally, uh, the day after I left, I think, what uh, you messaged me back and was like, hey, so it sucks that you left because there's a Dead by Daylight dating sim that just dropped. Yeah, this was bonkers. I was just <laughs> like, this is so weird. This is something we have to cover. And I'm like, oh, no, we're not doing the podcast. I'm like, at least I should tell Chris. This is like just <laughs> such a weird thing. And like... This is in the same vein as like the other like strange dating sims that you wouldn't expect, like um, the KFC one. Like, it was made by the same people, yeah. Made by the same people, and it's just like, why does this exist? I think it's just for fun. Like, just just they have all the, the, these like not assets, but just like these characters and stuff, and they're like, let's just do something goofy with it. And like, I guess a dating sim is always easy to do because there's not like very intensive things with dating sims. So I, I think that's why they did it. I don't think people actually want to date these characters. Well, maybe the way they drew them. This you game, know. Uh, yeah, it's called Hooked on You, just for people who want to look it up. But if you just search Dead by Daylight, it should just pop right up on Steam. Um, the art looks really good. It's like they had a very like professional like artist come in and do all this artwork. It's not just like JPEGs of like the characters from in the games. Like they just redrew these characters and they look really good. Yeah, to be fair, I've seen like I, I've been I looked at it briefly and I saw some of the reviews and some of the gameplay and like uh, what it seems to be is in the same vein of the previous one, the uh, KFC one is it's just meant to be a silly, goofy, self-contained, fairly well-made uh, short like dating sim. Like it's only ten dollars. It's not expensive. It's just meant to like it. it is what it is and it knows what it is. <laughs> so and that's what like a lot if you look at the reviews on steam that's what a lot of people say is specifically like yeah they know knew what they were doing when they made it and that's all they did which is a tiny little thing you can pay 10 bucks for it and have some goofy little fun with all the dead by daylight characters that are drawn like weirdly hot yeah they're, they're all like moderately drawn attractive you know like maybe a pseudo anime-esque style i don't 
know if they're like what the uh uh what they're going for here like do they just these characters like is there still the threat of that or is it just legitimately like you're dating these characters like you would in any other dating sim like i or how how crazy is it because i know there are some strangely deep i don't know if it's like that but it's 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 very positive like it's got a very positive rating which i believe what does that mean yeah over 90 percent of review the game positively is what that means so if that's up your alley go play it yeah give it a try why not yeah yeah we can uh we can talk about the news real quick uh we've got a few things to talk about here like i said uh the stories that we have picked here are just kind of a sample of some of the things that happened over the past couple weeks uh obviously didn't get to everything but these are just a few short things that I wanted to talk about that I noticed. First thing I want to talk about is Evo 2022. That happened last week. Uh, there were a couple of cool announcements that were made. First of all, one of the big ones that people were excited about was that they are adding rollback netcode to both uh, Dragon Ball Fighters and Samurai Showdown. Uh, Beck, I was hoping that you could explain what rollback netcode is because you were actually the one who told me what it is whenever I was first starting to play like fighting games more. Yeah, I first heard of this at the Guilty Gear games. I think it was Accent Core whenever they brought it back to like Steam, like re-released it as just um, to show what they are doing with it. And the gist of rollback netcode is they're trying to emulate what it's like to play next to someone at an arcade, like shoulder to shoulder online and how it works is if say if you're one person has the worst connection and the other person has like a decent connection not not, not like lagging or spiking or dropping out the the net code will catch up with it and make it quite seamless it's not like you'll just freeze like you would if you would lag in any other game the game kind of continues on and how that appears seamless is it kind of predicts your inputs and that may sound bad but it kind of predicts your inputs like pretty much to like fractions of frames because all fighting games work on like 60 frames or 30 frames depending probably 30 and it's only over the course of that short amount of time within a second so the, so how it would do it is if you were already pressing the input to do like a punch or something it's going to continue on with that or if your last input was a move forward it'll just continue on with a forward input and that's how it appears to be seamless for both players but that's the gist of it yeah it has its drawbacks too, technically, but it's so far the best way of doing things that uh, they have. Uh, most people agree that it's just better. Yeah, I think every fighting game should have this because technically, good internet. This doesn't even come up. The the, the net code just it just doesn't come up at all because you're just there's no reason for it to work. It only really works whenever someone lags. That's the only time it comes up, and you won't even notice. It's a strange thing. Now, if you would lag for like seconds at a time that that would be noticeable because i believe it just repeats your previous input but i can't remember exactly how it would go there but like if you were to just completely like dc the game's not just going to play itself i believe i believe it just it drops the fight there but like it's just for those who have like slightly shoddy internet that spikes in and out i wish games like smash had this because otherwise I'd, I'd play smash online all the time but it lacked so much i just couldn't play it for me personally yeah but yeah, people were pretty excited about that, um, and uh, it is an objectively good thing to have. Honestly, I didn't know fighters didn't have it. Uh, I yeah. mean, I didn't play it much online, to be fair. It was just with you, and usually we didn't have any issues with lag on either side for us. No, I can't recall if we had any at all. Like, 
no, no, never. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I don't know how it works with like, since was fighters like peer to peer, like, was it each person connecting to each other or were we just going onto like a server if playing on that server? I believe it was a server. Uh, I wouldn't quote me on that. I'm not sure, but it didn't seem like it was peer to peer. Yeah, so I don't know if rollback netcode would even how it would even work there, or if it would even like even if one of us lagged, we would have noticed outside of one of us just not doing inputs. So, right. yeah, yeah, I, I didn't know that either. Uh, but there was one more announcement that was pretty uh, interesting. Uh, there was a Tekken teaser. Um, there was a video that showed like uh, it was uh, thirty second long. Thir- sorry, thirty seconds long. It showed uh, like the OG Tekken scene where Kazuya is going to throw Heihachi off a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's in that part where um, it zooms in on his face. It zooms in on his face and then the video turns into like a current gen like Kazuya uh, that is like post. Um, I think they said like Tekken 4 with the scar under his eye that he gets. Um, he's like older. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh, it says uh, there's like a words that say, like, get ready. Um, people are assuming that this is a Tekken 8 teaser. Uh, they didn't explicitly say, but that is the assumption, because otherwise, what else is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably what it would be, or unless it's like an announcement for like new characters for 7. I can only imagine Tekken 8 being a truly massive game, considering how large Tekken 7 was file-wise. File Good that lord. Game was- as big as an MMO. I don't know why, but like I imagine eight being just as massive. So yeah. Yeah. I do not want to know how big that game is because uh like you said, it was about the size of an MMO. I remember downloading it and being like, why is this 80 gigs? This is dumb. Crazy. There was a I don't know if you saw it there. There was another announcement for fighting games, uh Guilt Guilty Gear Strive got uh their next season of characters or season two of characters too oh so. oh i did see the uh bridget announcement was that part of it yeah so there's just a month so it's just announcement of more characters so we're probably just gonna add in more characters from previous games so cool. like fighting games there's even more yeah i keep wanting to buy it and then i remember i suck at fighting games and paying like 60 dollars for a game i suck at doesn't sound good to me the game itself is only 40 oh it's only 40 i believe so oh. and like all all of the characters, though, and all these DLCs are going to cost. Yeah, Strive is $40. Um, all these characters are going to cost you like an arm and a leg. Yeah, each yeah. season pass is $25. Okay. Unless you're individual characters. But yeah, I, I probably still won't get it because like I just don't have my computer just isn't up to snuff and I don't feel like getting it on like a PlayStation 4 or something. I just don't. That's fair. So I don't know if my fight stick will work with PlayStation 4. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm not playing without a fight stick. I don't care. Yeah. Mine technically works with everything, but it's a little weird because it's one of those janky, cheap Amazon ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you have to like plug the controller into the uh, like PlayStation and then plug it into the fight stick, which is really weird. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, that's more fighting game stuff. But yeah, other than that, there was some interesting stuff that happened. Uh, Multiverses was featured in uh, this year's Evo uh, since it's out for, you know, open beta. Uh, they had a tournament with that. Other than that, there was the uh, like Cell Yell rollback. I don't know if you saw that. I have no idea what this is. Ah, 
Uh, so apparently it is tradition in fighters that when Cell is picked, he does an intro where he does uh, his iconic yell, which was weird to me at first because all the characters in Dragon Ball do yells. Uh, <laughs> but um, apparently he just does one of the like big power up primal yells uh, and everyone in the audience just loses their shit and does it too. Uh, there's so many people in that crowd. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wow. So that is tradition. It is also tradition that you are not supposed to skip that, but unfortunately, for some reason, that happened uh, this year. It was Legendary, Pred, and Shanks playing against each other. Uh, Shanks had picked Cell, and for some reason, uh, the Cell yell was skipped. And so they immediately decided to roll it back, just quit out and restart because they didn't mean to skip it. They were like, no, 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 we got to do this again. (laughs) It was just like it was universally known that they had to just restart. Like they just immediately agreed upon the spot. No question about it. Uh, And the audience got their cell yell. (laughs) So goofy. Yeah, (laughs) it it was a great moment. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Next up, we've uh, talking about some other stuff here. We've got Tencent. Uh, back at it again with the corporate takeovers. Tencent uh, is apparently seeking a majority stake in Ubisoft, according to Reuters. Tencent already owns a 5% stake in Ubisoft, but they're looking to purchase a portion of the Guillemots family. Uh, This is the family that co-founded and still runs Ubisoft. They are looking to purchase from them in order to become the majority stakeholders. Uh, currently, the Guillemot family is the uh, majority stakeholder, technically. They own 16% of the stake in the company. Uh, so Ubisoft, is, or I'm sorry, Tencent is looking to take some of that. The offer they're making is uh, $101.84 per share. For reference, the highest ever price per share was about $110 back in 2018. Almost to that point. Uh, considering, uh, I believe at the time of the offer, it was around $80 a share. So quite a bit of money. It's worth noting also, this information comes from a Reuters report. And after that report was published, the value of Ubisoft shares went up 15%. It's just strangely convenient that the shares would just go up. you know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, uh, yeah, I actually didn't know about the the Gilmot family. I didn't I didn't know who they were. I didn't know who they were either, honestly, until the story. Uh, it's yeah. pretty odd. That's kind of interesting that the family still owns it, like owns a portion of it. It's interesting. I don't know if it's cool or great or anything, but uh, it's something. I mean, I don't personally have love for Ubisoft, so I don't know. I you I'm don't. probably leaning towards it's bad, but. You know, good or bad is kind of a weird description to give certain things. I do think that uh, this is another example of not understanding how stocks work for me, where I'm like, okay, so just Tencent making an offer to buy it raised the price of the stocks? Like, that's all it took. And I don't understand what the ramifications of that are. Have you learned nothing about Buying all the stocks in his father's company in Yu Gi Oh! 
apparently that might be more realistic than I think. <laughs> I don't like, know. But <laughs> that's where I first learned about stocks, and I don't know how real that is. Maybe Kaiba had it right all along. I don't know. Uh, to be fair, Kaiba bought somehow bought fifty one percent of the shares. Somehow that happened. I don't like look here. Someone's buying up your company, and they're like, "Okay, I'm buying up here, here, and here," and they somehow get to fifty one percent. Like you've done something wrong. It's also not supposed to be the way it works. By the way, just having fifty one percent stake in the company doesn't mean that you oh. just like own everything i don't know man but that technically i guess for kaiba that meant he he could choose the direction i guess that does not mean he owns it but somehow in the anime it did it was a children's show but like it's in most shows it's that way like most shows or movies they just make that a point where it's just oh i own 51 percent. first of all you don't have to have 51 percent of the company to have the majority stake in the company um because so many people in a publicly traded company own bits of it that you can have like 20 percent and be the majority stakeholder yeah i don't know if well yeah well even in this example here like what percentage of the gilma family own like what was Uh, it it was like 16 percent yeah and then you know yeah like that's the majority yeah so like you don't need 51 percent. but the idea of it is is like if you do own 51 percent, i guess like no matter how you look at it, no matter if everybody goes against your word, like you own the majority, the other percentage of people go against what you say, like your decision is final in that case, I suppose is how anime is going to take it. Yeah. In the real world, it doesn't work like that. I do know that much. But technically it would, wouldn't it? Like, no, uh, because like there, there are regulations and rules in place for that where like, uh, the board of the board of directors or something still has to be on, on board with everything. Uh, it's like a weird thing where I don't know all the specifics of it, but I do remember like looking that up and it not being right. Uh, like there, there are certain things that having that much power would do for you, but it wouldn't do that. No, no, you're missing it. You just uh, banish them to the shadow realm. So there's no board of directors. So kill them. No, no, Shadow Realm. It's you say Shadow Realm, all I'm hearing is kill them. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I'm hearing you in Japanese. <laughs> I don't know if that's a Japanese word. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Um, yeah, so the uh next story here is one that uh hit me off guard. The, so the Indonesian government is blocking a bunch of international sites in general but specifically also uh places like steam epic nintendo store ea ubisoft etc i didn't know this was a thing and i'm definitely going to be looking into it later uh even more than we have here apparently the indonesia's uh ministry of communication and information technology also called cominfo uh has blocked several gaming stores and platforms Uh, They're doing this because they're enforcing a new set of laws the government has issued to crack down on anything online deemed, uh, quote, deemed unlawful. According to the law, any online service platform or provider hosting, quote, unlawful content must remove it within 24 hours or four if it's considered urgent. Uh, Aside from that, uh, International companies that operate in Indonesia also were required to register to the government by a deadline. 
if they didn't do this, they were going to be blocked uh, to Indonesian IP addresses. Uh, these blocks also included other services. Uh, PayPal was notably one that was uh, affected, although they did get it uh, service reinstated temporarily to allow people to get their money back because yeah. PayPal is an online bank. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. So, obviously, these laws aren't really working like aren't considered great by a lot of people. Uh, they've been panned by a bunch of advocacy, gr advocacy groups uh, as well as the citizens uh, for allegedly attacking free speech and freedom of expression. Uh, obviously having the government get to just pick and choose what's considered bad for the internet is not good. Uh, we wouldn't like that here in America. And no, not at all. <laughs> I can't say much to what the what the culture is like in Indonesia or what the government's been doing lately, but like this definitely doesn't sound good. I don't know how that's going to work going forward. The good news is that it's really just blocking access to Indonesian IP addresses. So people that still want access to any services that were blocked have the option of using a VPN. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe they'll just block people from using a VPN somehow, but like this is always terrible. I I, I will never agree with a government just saying no, it's unlawful or something like that. That just, uh, this never seems right to me. Yeah, um, I mean, if you think about it, that's that doesn't happen in America, obviously. I mean, when in America, like, there are certain things you can't put online that are, like, definitely it, illegal, but, like... It's, like, extreme things. Like, we're not just blocking Steam or Epic or Nintendo. Like, the the... Yeah, that because that's what they're blocking. So it's just like what? It's just crazy. Like Nintendo of all people. Like what? Maybe they saw ban too lewd. Yeah, that bayonetta. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be looking into that more. Uh, see if there's any developments on it. This was uh from a couple weeks ago, and I am interested to see if there were any developments made. If they decided to uh back off a little bit or how uh the online stores are taking it because i haven't seen anything specific from steam epic nintendo etc about how they're handling the situation because they explicitly didn't register uh with the indonesian government and that's why they're getting blocked which tells me that they probably don't agree with it yeah well why would they agree with it yeah i mean there's some places that just like play ball right like uh one of the uh, ones I saw was Google that decided to actually register with the government and not deal with any of this getting blocked stuff. So it is a thing where you do have the choice and some companies would prefer to make money than not make money. Yeah, I feel like Google probably has the resources to just like be like, OK, what do you want to not show up on our like browser or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I feel like they have the right resources for it. Why not? Sure. I'm not sure. I guess now would be a good time to talk a bit about my uh, Gen Con experience. Yeah, so I guess I can talk about the actual, like, not specifically board games, but just experiences I had first. One of the uh, things we did first was we went to a late night party thing. That That's something we don't usually do. It was in a bar. I was, like, in the back of a bar. It was for a company called Drunk Ass Games. Uh, they make drinking games, uh, and they also host parties at Gen Con. 
it was a really fun experience. There is a game called Death Cup, and uh, if my voice sounds off, that's why is because of that game. Death Cup is a very simple drinking game. All it is is you've got like a shot glass that gets passed around. The shot glass you try to bounce a quarter into. You roll dice to determine, you know, how many times you get to do it, how many tokens you lose, stuff like that. If you roll three skulls on a dice, uh, there is a new cup that comes into play that's shaped like a skull. Uh, You have to roll or bounce a quarter into that, too, uh, with different dice that do different things. It was really fun. I enjoyed myself. That was the first like I don't get to go to bars that often. You know, that's not a thing I do. And I don't hang out with people often. Uh, So getting to let loose and hang out and uh, play a game like that was really fun. Yeah, I I agree. I don't go to bars very often. I haven't really gone to bars since I was in college, probably. Yeah. Um, And after, because I'm still out of college area. But like, so Gen Con normally doesn't have drinking stuff like this. It's Gen Con's normally like just a gaming con, right? They have stuff like this elsewhere. So like this was an example of it where uh, you can sign up for the event, but it's outside of the con- the con. Like it's at a different place, uh, in this case, a bar. There are some other things that were like off location. There are some late night game libraries where they're also at a bar. There was also like the uh, if you've ever heard of Cosplay Deviants, yeah. um, they have like a party that they host at a different place that um, they rent out. So there there are other like late night experiences that involve drinking or uh, other stuff. But like you have to go off site for it, basically. Aside from that, I also did True Dungeon, which is the first time I've actually played it. Uh, True Dungeon, for those of you who don't know, it's like a LARP experience. What they do is they essentially take this big room, like a, a big stadium area, whatever large space they can find and convert it into several different uh rooms with rpg experiences in them uh it works off of one of the dnds i it's an old system so it's probably based off of like at the latest 3.5 i can't tell i said it's my first time playing i have been part of the experience before as a volunteer this is something that i used to volunteer for because that actually got you passes into gen con they paid for your hotel and your passes uh, in exchange for volunteering for them. The uh, actual experience for me, it was kind of like it was good. So the experience itself, what they do, they get actors that dress up as NPCs. They have a sound system set up. They have animatronics. They have a lot of cool stuff going for it. And it's a very fun experience to walk through. The actual experience has a bit of a problem for me that we experience and my it was my wife and I that went into this uh there are 10 people per group already you ever played RPG that has more than like four people you know that is chaos okay chaos. yeah it's almost unfun if you're like not with like a super experienced group you know what they're doing but yeah for, for an average group of people especially with strangers that's the that's gonna be pretty chaotic yeah the other part of this is that what you have to understand about true dungeons you're paying money you're paying money for uh entry you're also paying money for uh tokens the tokens are your weapons your armor your items it's everything 
that you can put on your character that isn't just oh, a natural thing. So you buy your items with real money. Yes, and it's very similar to like a card game or anything like that. It's uh, like a gotcha experience where you do pulls, you know? Uh, Pay to um, win. Yeah. Sounds great. You, you either do pulls or you order specific tokens that you know of online. So how much, what, how much does this cost? Uh, I believe it's around $70 per person per run. Uh, I could be wrong, could be a little higher, a little lower, but I'm pretty sure it's somewhere around the $70, $80 mark. And what's uh, your like tokens? Tokens, uh, you can do like a pool of, I think, like seven or eight for like 10 bucks a pool. Um, there were people selling at the con where you could get like some common tokens for like a dollar per token. Uh, some of the tokens run really costly. There were people talking about a token that cost like $1,200. There were some that uh, even we pulled that were worth like $100. We used to get, um, and as volunteers, we would get special volunteer tokens that were exclusive to people that volunteered. Those usually sell between $50 to $100. So just an idea of like what the pricing is there. Are they like one-time use things too? Some of them are. Some of them, like there's these things called Iron Stones uh, that give you special effects like minus one sonic damage was one that we had. Uh, or like plus one to sacred damage, stuff like that. Uh, those are one-time uses. But your armor, your weapons, those are uh, permanent. So like you just put them on the sheet so that they know what it is, but then they give them back to you. Okay. Uh, the only other exception is there are some ranged weapons that are like pistols that uh, can be destroyed if you roll bad. So that would be bad. You would lose that. Uh, but those are usually like the common pistols, I think. Um, they specifically say it on them. Uh, so yeah, as far as the actual experience goes, what happens with all those people, right, is like I was saying, you have to pay for this event, you're putting money into it, you want to win, right? Uh, because if you win, you uh, get the get the loot. If you don't win, you don't get the loot. So it almost feels like you wasted money. When you have experienced people you have two kinds of experienced people. You have the kind that knows it's a game and knows that other people might not have played it before and want to let them play. You also have the other end, which is the experienced person that wants to take charge because they know what they're doing and wants to win. Second one is bad to me because I paid two. I want to play the game. So what happened to us, right, is we start out uh, we're sitting down. You only get to choose. Uh, there are 12 total classes, 10 people. Each person gets a class. You cannot have multiple of one class. I sat down and based on the items that I had, I just picked Claire because I was like, this makes sense. My wife picked Bard. Later on, this couple comes in and like immediately is like, oh, who has uh, who has Bard and Cleric? And of course, it was my wife and I. And the guy was like, oh, do you have items for them? And we were we were looking and we're like, well, we have some. And then like they looked and were like, oh, you don't have any items for them. And so what he was doing was heavily implying that we should give him our class. And we were kind of already like we don't really care what class we are. Uh, and so my wife actually offered up Bard to um, the uh, other person. And then I was like, you know, fine, I'll just give him cleric. And so I gave him my cleric. Uh, that left us, my wife went druid, I went barbarian. That'll come into play later. 
we get situated. This is one cool thing that happened, though, is the experienced people actually gave us items to borrow because they, you get them back immediately after they mark it down on the sheet. So you can just give them back to them. And then I got a cool weapon to use. That was cool. When we get going, we hit the training room. And this is where I realized that Barbarian was a mistake. You get to do skill checks as certain classes. Skill checks in this game mean that you get to... Usually it's like a memory game. So the example is uh, Druid can do a spell. If it requires a skill check, then they look... Uh, someone gives them like a card with a leaf on it. And you have to guess which leaf it is. So it's like a memory game. You have to remember the leaves on the list and then be like, this is oak. Uh, if you pass, then your spell passes. You get to do your spell. Barbarian has once per game, not encounter, not round per game, rage. They have oh. rage once. That's it. After that, all they do is just hit things good. I could only do that. That was all I could do. Uh, it doesn't, whenever you only have maybe two or three, it was like three combat encounters per game during the puzzle moments you can help with the puzzle but not having any skill checks to do kind of makes it feel like you're not doing anything this was also compounded uh, by a moment that just completely threw me out of it so back to the guy that uh, I gave my cleric to uh, we had encountered a situation in which a bunch of us were uh, left disabled by a uh, by an ability we were charmed we were trying to decide who should get... Uh, my wife had an item that let you... It was a potion that let you be not charmed. And so someone was like, oh, who can hit good? And I'm, I raised my hand. I'm like, yes, me. I am. I hit, I hit things good. I, I do big damage. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do big damage. And then that guy that I gave Cleric to was like, oh, uh, but can you hit though? I'm like, excuse me? I should explain here. In this game, you do not roll dice to attack like you would in an RPG. You have little pucks that you slide across a, a shuffleboard kind of deal. Uh, you put your weapon in them and then you slide it up and it has to hit certain spots. So what he was asking essentially was, was I able to aim my puck and hit a thing? And didn't do much of that before. So obviously I wasn't practiced, but I paid to be here and I'm the guy that hits stuff. So it felt like maybe I should be the one to do it. And he's like, no, no, no. So give it to the rogue because the rogue can hit. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I This is the only thing I can do. All I can do is hit things. I cannot. The rogue has other stuff to do. Like he's got this like lock picking minigame he could do. It's like operation kind of like I got I got hidden things. That's my thing. That's all I got. That's all I got to my name is hidden things. And you're going to tell me that I shouldn't be the one who hits things, even though I'm on paper the person who hits things. That moment just threw me off of it because this is a guy that I had given my class to just to be nice because I was like, you know, I, I can play any class. I'm fine with that. That's usually what I do in other games anyways. And this guy was even trying to talk up Barbarian as if like, oh, yeah, that's a good class. And it's like, why would you talk this up to me if you weren't going to let me play it? That's a that's a moment that like stuck with me and it really just threw me off for the rest of the game. Did I you wouldn't end up, like doing it. You end up, no. Yeah. So what happened was a really weird ruling thing where apparently none of us like you couldn't feed someone a potion and also the person couldn't take their own potion. 
And it's like, well, what was the potion for? Because it's supposed to uh, cure you being charmed. So, like, how do you use the potion when you're charmed if that's what it's for, but you can't use it when charmed? That was a whole other thing, but, like, it was just weird. So nothing ended up happening. We just had to wait until we rolled our saves. Uh, took me out of it, and we ended up winning. We ended up doing it, but it just didn't feel good to me. Like, I didn't enjoy myself after that just because I'm like, it really doesn't feel like I'm here for anything. It feels like I'm along for the ride while the uh, experienced people are just kind of barreling through it. So I do want to say, like, I don't want to turn anyone off that's listening from True Dungeon. This was a this is a fun experience, and people should do it. I think for me, I just wish there was a little bit more moderation from some of the GMs sometimes, and encounters like that where like people are trying to actively say you shouldn't do something because you're not experienced. It just doesn't feel right. Other than that, like if you're going, I'd recommend having like a fairly decent sized group if possible. That would make things yeah, like better a group too. Of, a, a group of friends that you know. Yeah. Um, that, that would be nice too. There, I mean, there's other ideas I could think of, but like, it's really that it's just those couple of things I can think of that are like, this would really make that experience better. I think for me, I would have a better experience next time having played it and knowing what's going on. Uh, and also having a few more, uh, like items under my belt. I think that would make it better. First time definitely is kind of rough because there were other people who that was their first time too. And they probably were having similar thoughts and similar experiences. That's all. I th- I think, I mean, like I said, like, I think it's fun. I think it's worth trying. I do think that having friends is helpful. And I also think that it'll be better your second time. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyways, I spent more time than I expected to talk about that. Let me talk about a few board games real quick, uh, and then we can get to the upcoming games. So I just want to talk about this one because uh, it's really... It was it was a really fun experience. Uh, Stuff of Legend. Uh, this is a game that is based on a graphic novel of the same name. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever seen that back? Stuff of Legend? I don't think so. It's a really cool graphic novel. My wife read it and um, it's like a very brutal one. It's about some toys that it's like Toy Story, but dark kind of like it's about some toys who uh, have this boy that they protect from the boogeyman who lives in the closet. And then one day uh, the boogeyman gets the boy and they have to go into the closet and get him back. When they enter the closet, they become realistic. So the main the the main guy, like the head front leader type is uh, called Max and he's a teddy bear. He looks like a cute teddy bear. When he goes into the closet, he's a bear. He's a big ass bear and he will maul your face off. It is a brutal uh, story, too. Uh, really dark and messed up it it's i would recommend check, checking it out and just being prepared that it's going to be a brutal book <laughs> yeah i'm looking at this this does look fairly dark yeah uh but that being said the board game is uh interesting it's your goal is to escape the closet and you do that by moving along some tiles to uh I, like four or five exit points each exit point uh, for one, as you go, you encounter troops that you have to fight and fighting can uh, be difficult. You have to have the right cards. Uh, you play as a team, uh, but someone could be a traitor. You don't know that there is a uh, there is a burn card in that pile. And that card could be the traitor card, which means that everyone's good. 
or it could be a loyal card, which means that someone's a traitor. You don't know that, but you're fighting things along the way. It gets very difficult. Uh, fighting gets very challenging, and we definitely had a lot of trouble. We had so many things uh, that were chasing after us, but this is this is a great part. In order to exit, you have to pick the correct exit. Each exit has a number attached to it, one through seven, uh, but one of those numbers is not in play. So your goal is to get the highest number unless there is both a seven and a one. If there is a seven and a one, you do not go for the highest number. You go for the number one. So we got to the first exit to see what the number was, and we said six, or it was six. We decided that with the amount of time we had left, we would not be able to finish this game or we would die. We decided to take that exit because we needed to. That was the only option. We had like a bunch of troops chasing us. They they chase you across the board. They don't just stay on their tiles. They they chase you around the board. Mm-hmm. Um, we took that exit and we won. <laughs> wow. We we just fully yoloed it and made it. And this is a game that's supposed to be hard to win anyways, like just if you're playing it correctly. So to just do that and win was just a perfect win on our book in our books. Um, I even took a picture of the board. It was it was a very uh, entertaining game, and it's definitely one that I would love to play in full uh, whenever it comes out. We actually already pre-ordered it. Kim just wanted to play it. Um, that's cool. Yeah, it was fun. Next one was Elder Scrolls Call to Arms. I just put this in here because I feel like I had to bring up a video game one. But also, I did play through a couple turns of it. Uh, This is a war game. So this is in the same vein of like Warhammer or I don't know many war games. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) I had never actually played a war game before. Like I haven't tried one. And so I thought it would be interesting to look at this one. What struck me was this one was actually very easy to pick up. Uh, very simple. It has a bunch of cards attached to the units, uh, like stat blocks and stuff. Uh, turns are very easy. You roll some dice. You read the card to see what your dice mean. You have uh, very easy to understand turns. Uh, the reason I say that is because I've heard of, uh, I guess, Warhammer specifically, being very difficult to understand at times. There's a lot of different rulings, and uh, I've heard that that can create problems. Definitely. So to see this game being very easy to pick up to where like I played a couple turns, I'm like, I definitely think I know how to play this now. Uh, surprise me. It has. Uh, it looks like it's mostly based on Skyrim right now because it has um, a few sets of. Uh, characters there's uh storm cloaks there's imperials there's uh the dark brotherhood is in there i believe uh so these are you know things that you probably recognize from skyrim obviously uh some of the things like thieves guild and stuff are present in other areas but this is also like storm storm cloaks and imperials are definitely something you recognize from skyrim also the delve that we did which is the name for the single player version of like missions uh the delve that they showed was actually just Bleak Falls Barrow. If you played Skyrim, you recognize that as the first mission you do um, after you reach Whiterun. I would not have, I would not. <laughs> That's fair. Um, 
It's just like, I mean, to be fair, also, a lot of things in that game just look similar. Uh, but yeah, it, it seemed pretty fun. And it also, price-wise, wasn't too bad. Uh, it was $50 at the con for the core set. And the core set just has, like, rules for different stats and stuff. Uh, like rules for different characters. Uh, it re- includes rules for like the Dragonborn. It also includes the Imperials, the Stormcloaks, and I believe the Dark Brotherhood. It doesn't include the minis for the uh other like the three sets, but they said that they did that to keep the price down on the full set, so that like people who wanted to just try it could try it. Because with those games, you could just put stand-ins for things. You could say a penny is this uh unit, right? Like. You can decide to do that just to just to play around. It was, uh, you know, fifty dollars isn't much, and it does seem to be cheaper online. Uh, they were also selling the minis for those sets for thirty six each, which isn't bad for mini sets. Uh, it seemed like uh, sorry, looking them up that you can get like a call to arms, like adventure allies plastic expansion. It's like minis for like twenty five dollars. Okay, so yeah, that's pretty cheap too. Um, it seemed like it would be very accessible to get in if you're someone who hasn't done war games before and wanted to try something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's worth a shot if anyone's interested. Uh, the last game I wanted to talk about was called Critical Care. This one is still in the manufacturing stages, but it looked like a great game just for me personally. Uh, and my wife was interested too because it's a game that was made uh, in part by uh, some a doctor who worked in the ICU, and that's the goal of the game is you're actually a, a doctor that works in the ICU, and uh, you're trying to save a patient. And the doctor, the guy that we talked to, said that they uh, did it because they want to make a game that can also help teach certain terminologies and certain uh, aspects of healthcare that people might not know to teach these to people in a way that was understandable. So they worked with a lot of different people, both doctors and patients and also writers, to try to uh, take uh, the language and make it understandable to everyone. This game also covers certain things that you might not think of, which are like the goal of the game is to either save the patient or transition their care properly if it's something that that you can't do anything about. There are times in the ICU where you encounter uh, too many issues, too many problems, and people do die sometimes. And that is sad. Uh, but also, it's important for doctors to be able to recognize what's coming so that they can help transition care properly from we are trying to help you, but also we have to constantly stick you with needles. We have to uh, run these tests that are very exhausting to we know that this is going the way it is let's just make you comfortable uh yeah it's very heavy subjects right but like they that's their goal is they want to try to normalize talking about these heavy subjects i am someone who has unfortunately been in and out of hospitals a lot myself for uh care but also been in out of hospitals to see loved ones that unfortunately aren't here anymore and that is a conversation that's difficult for doctors to have because people don't, the family doesn't want to hear it, right? You don't want to hear that something bad's happening to your loved one, uh, but it is a conversation that has to be had, and it's important for people to understand that. 
Um, didn't mean to make this heavy, <laughs> but uh, that was the reason that I actually like this game is because it, it explains these things. It's actually not as depressing as it sounds like it's a fun looking game uh, that does have a message to it. Uh, and it has interesting mechanics. Uh, you're just running through uh, trying to schedule tests for your patient. You're trying to schedule different therapies and also uh, managing like a crisis counter as that's happening. Uh, it's a fun game and it is meant to be somewhat educational at the same time. Yeah, I've been talking long enough about board games, though. I didn't. Uh, oh, there are some other games that were big at Gen Con. So there was uh, the Ennies uh, that were uh, won by uh, the game. It was Thirsty Sword Lesbians, which is like a sort of RPG. And we didn't I didn't talk about those games because those weren't games that I like actively tried. I just want to talk about my experience with the few games that I got to try as I passed by uh, just what I found out on the floor. But by all means, there are other games that uh, Gen Con has featured that would be worth looking into if you had the time and were looking for other board games to try. Um, by all means, take a look at those uh, when you get a chance. Always good to look into more board games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about some upcoming games before we head out. Um, yeah. First one, Lost in Play. Uh, it comes out August 10th. Uh, you said this is a puzzle game back? Yeah, it just looks like one of, like, looks very indie. Just just like an indie puzzle game. It's just like you're going on your adventure doing some point and click stuff and solving little puzzles. It's got a very adorable, cute, like, cute art style. It's like, it's like straight out of a, like a book, like, an, like a book I would work on or something. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right. That is your job. Uh, next one is one that you definitely know about. Uh, I'll let you talk about it. Cult of the Lamb. That's coming out August 11th. Yeah, I forgot that this was coming out, even though like I played the demo a lot. And I was super excited for it. I'm not sure when I'll get to play it, but I really enjoyed the demo. But um, generally, it's like a, a roguelike dungeon crawler, but also like a like a civilization sim like you got your little call and you're trying to simulate and simulate what a call life would be, be like essentially and as you go through the dungeon you're picking up like materials and stuff for them and getting new call people and sacrificing them to your little uh god creature <laughs> i don't know what the main guy is i can't remember off the top of my head it's like a genie um obviously <laughs> uh it's got it's stylistically really cool um yeah, and it plays kind of like, oh, I don't want to say Hades, but uh, kind of like top-down isometric slasher. Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. I hate you. I don't know what you're talking about. Next game, uh, Rumbleverse, also coming out August 11th. This is a BR uh, Battle Royale. I remember this one being advertised uh, last year's Game Awards, I believe. I didn't remember this game at all. I, I, it was one of those like shorter uh, reveals. Like it wasn't like a super crazy. You need to be ready for this one. It looks kind of interesting, but also it's another Battle Royale. So who knows? I mean, we have be quite a few of those be, already. Be fair. It looks like Fortnite, but. Like stylistically, it looks like Fortnite, like, like very um stylized and cartoony. But like, it doesn't look like there's guns in this. This looks like it's a brawler. Like you're go, you're truly going in and like punching and throwing stuff at people, wrestling them. So like, 
depending depending on how many players there is on a team, we might play this. If it is four people, we will definitely play this and at least have something to say on it. Yeah, our group has been starred for games to play lately, so we're looking for other things. So this might catch our attention. This comes out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, next game is Roller Drome. This comes out uh, on the 16th. Uh, Roller Drum, it looked uh, interesting, like stylistically, art wise. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I never heard of this game, but whenever I saw it, I'm like, this looks like uh, it looks like the artist, artist like Mobius. It's got that like cell shaded style and line work to it. It's kind of pretty. I also thought it was a different game because it's like roller derby based. So, yeah. With guns? <laughs> yeah, with guns. with guns. Yeah. Yeah, you were thinking of the one that Ubisoft came out with, right? Yeah, how did that game do? Did it do well? I, I have not heard anything about it since it released. Must be dead. All right. Who knows? Who can say? Yeah. But I, you know what? Roller skates and guns. That's pretty cool. We like guns. Yeah, we like guns to a problematic degree. I like guns in video games. Next. <laughs> Blossom Tales 2. The Minotaur Prince. Also coming out on August 16th. This one is, it looks like an indie Zelda-like kind of game. Yeah, it 100% does look like um, like Link's Awakening, essentially, like to a T, like the original one. Uh, so if you're into that, those types of games, that's probably pretty much exactly what this is. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that about does it for us. I, I mean, we made it through all the upcoming games. I talked about Gen Con. Thank you for letting me rant about mostly true dungeon i think i'll have to look at the timestamps, but i spent more time talking about that than i thought i would yeah i think the only thing like i personally missed out on is uh digimon survive came out and i wanted to like have that played and ready to play it and to, like at least talk about it more in depth i never got around to playing it i did buy it i have it it's still packaged i just didn't play it but no but i will be playing it this week so i'll be able to at least re- on how it is and how it plays and if the story is fun or not so yeah I wanted you got to lost in... do that and i kind of missed out yeah you got lost in that other jrpg mm-hmm. yeah more jrpgs for me <laughs> all right everyone well that is about it for us today uh we appreciate you listening and uh we will see you next week uh we are back to normal schedule i think so shouldn't be any problems there In the meantime, everyone, we will uh, see you next week. And don't forget to do your dailies. And your weeklies.